Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. So, most people, when they think of Jonah, they think of what? Big fish, whale, you know, the guy that got eaten by a whale. And we're going to get to that. But there's a lot more in Jonah that we, that, we, that we see, that we learn, other than just the fish thing. Um, so we're going to be going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, over the next four weeks through the book of Jonah. And if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Jonah. Um, because it's not a passage, it's not a book of the Bible that people like go to maybe as often as other parts of the Bible. So it might take you just a little bit longer to get there, and that's okay. That's why I'm telling you to turn there now. And while you're turning to Jonah, and while, while we're introducing this series called Overwhelming Mercy, I want to share with you a story of mercy that was shown to me and was given to me. Um, some of you may have heard this story before, but when I was 17 years old, I bought a car. Um, it cost $650. Um, it was a 1985 Chevy Camaro Z28, and it had no windshield. Um, it was in really bad shape, barely ran, and I worked and I worked and I worked and I restored that car, and still have it today, by the way. Here's a picture of it. Um, but you know, if you're a guy and you have a car and people try to race you, it's kind of hard to back down. So my friends and I, this will tell you how old I am. My friends and I, we went to see um, down, downtown at the theaters, we went to see Too Fast, Too Furious. Are you all familiar with the Fast and Furious series? Well, this was Too Fast, Too Furious. Had like Tyrese and all those guys. And if you've ever seen those movies, I mean, it's just, everybody's just racing, jumping things. Like, so what are we going to do when we get out of that movie and we get in our vehicles? It's got to happen, right? So we line up on Fifth, on Fifth Avenue. Going, like going east. And we're at a stop, stoplight. Got me and my 85 Camaro Z28. Got my friend Brad, S10 with a 350 swapped into it. Then we have my friend Daniel with a Grand Am. Why is he, ride, why is he racing a Grand Am? We don't know. So, you know, you kind of start revving. You don't want to back down. The light turns green. I, sm I smoked them all. And, you know, like I was so pumped. I, was, I think I was like screaming like, yeah! And as I'm screaming... I see lights in my rearview mirror. Not headlights, I see blue and red flashing lights. And what are you supposed to do? You pull over. So I pulled over. My friend Brad, he like took off down this side road. My friend Daniel and his grand dam was like five miles back. Um, so I got pulled over. Apparently there was a big, some kind of big street crimes thing going on, bust going on, and I ruined their entire operation. And they were pretty upset with me. Um, they didn't have me clocked, but they were cha to, to, to catch up with me, turn their lights on. They said they were going 90 um, on Fifth Avenue. So the guy was pretty stern with me, as you can imagine. So he wrote the ticket out and went over all the offenses that were involved, reckless driving and this and that. And he was going over all the fines that it would cost me. He went over the fact that it would make me lose my license. And the whole time I'm thinking, man, my parents, I mean, like, they're going to kill me. So he went over the ticket with me, then he took the ticket back to his car, and he came back, and he gave me the ticket, and over the entire ticket, he wrote in big letters, warning. He didn't write me up. And I drove home at about 25 miles an hour, my hands at 10 and 2. I went downstairs and I folded that little warning ticket up and I put it somewhere my parents would never find it. 
And I never told my parents about what happened. Um, but I was shown incredible, incredible mercy by that police officer. The definition of mercy is this. It's forgiving the sinner and withholding the punishment that is justly deserved. Anybody y'all ever play mer the game Mercy? Where you take the, you take, No. Okay, you take people's hands and you, you're, you're trying to bend the hands back and, and you won't stop until they yell, mercy, right? Mercy is forgiving and withholding punishment that is justly deserved. And tonight in this uh, story of Jonah, we're going to learn this, that God is merciful and that he calls us to be agents of his mercy. So I've given you about three minutes to find Jonah. Everybody got Jonah? Everybody ready to jump in? We're going to do Jonah chapter 1 tonight, and we're going to kind of do a different kind of a lesson tonight. Um, you know, usually I, I give the lesson, then I end with some F words or S words or P words or C words or whatever words. Tonight, we're going to read a section of this chapter, and I'm going to give you your first S word. Then we're going to read another section, I'm going to give you your second S word. We've got five S words we're going to talk about tonight. And each of these sections of this passage, we, we, we learn a lesson from the story of Jonah. So let's start reading together. Verse 1, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Let's stop right there. This dude named Jonah. What do we know about him? Well, he had a dad. His dad's name was Amittai. Do we know anything else about him? Well, we know that he was a prophet. He's mentioned in the book of 2 Kings. He was a prophet during the, the reign of Jeroboam II, who was a very evil king in Israel. And we know that God showed great mercy to Israel that even though he had, they had an evil king, God allowed them to be prosperous because this is what it says in, in 2 Kings, that God saw the affliction of Israel was very bitter and there was no one to help Israel. So God was showing lots and lots of mercy to Israel. Jonah was living in Israel and it also says that we learned that Jonah was a prophet. In the Old Testament, there were prophets. There were people who spoke for God. We don't have prophets anymore because God said that Jesus was the ultimate prophet. He was prophet, priest, and king. And Jesus has spoken and he had the final word. But there were these prophets who would speak on behalf of God. And Jonah was one of those prophets who would speak on behalf of God. And we see that the word of the Lord came to this dude named Jonah. So God tells Jonah... I want you to say something for me. I want you to tell people what I have to say. This wasn't the first time Jonah had prophesied. God had given Jonah something to say. But this one was a little bit different. This is what God said to Jonah. He said, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up before me. What's the big deal? God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and to prophesy in Nineveh, to speak for him in Nineveh. Well, here's the problem. Nineveh was not a place Jonah would want to go. Nineveh was in the area called Assyria, which was this huge mega powerhouse nation. It was like the America, you know, of the day or whatever. Israel was this tiny little nation. And Assyria was gobbling up all these little tiny nations. And it was already being said, hey, Assyria is going to come for us. Assyria is going to attack us. So all the Israelites were very fearful of the Assyrians. The Assyrians were known for being very evil, for hurting people, especially the people that they would conquer. We don't know exactly what was going on in Assyria that was so evil, 
Because if you look, I mean, yeah, what, what does God say? He says, uh, go out against it for their evil has come up before me. It was a great city. The city of Nineveh, they said, the perimeter, like the perimeter wall of, of, of Nineveh was 7.5 miles. We learn later in the book of Jonah that to walk across the entire city was a three-day journey. Huge city. A little bigger than Huntington. A little bigger than H-Town. Big city. Evil city. We have records of in Assyria, so probably in Nineveh, that there was a lot of abuse going on. Especially male abuse towards women. There, were, there was a, adult abuse against children. They were worshiping all kinds of false gods and they were even offering child sacrifices to their false gods. A big city, but just as big as they were, they were evil and they were the enemies of Jonah's hometown. And God says, I want you to go show, tell these Ninevites my message. And it's a message of mercy. It's offering them a chance to repent. So this is the first lesson that we learn. This first lesson we learn, and it's the lesson about submission. How many of y'all go to Barbersville Middle? Got some Barbersville Middleians. What if you were a cheerleader at Barbersville and you were told, I want you to go and lead a pep rally for Milton? What would you respond? Yeah, there, there's the response. <laughs> Throw up a little bit in your mouth, right? Because they're, they're, they're you're, you're enemies, right? Like, 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 like what, what if, where my, where's, I got some Midland students, right? We have Midland students. What, what if Miss Daniels came up to you <laughs> and said, I want you to go hype up Huntington's basketball team? You'd be like, no, right? God tells Jonah, I want you to go on a mission of mercy to Nineveh. So what do you think Jonah says? We're going to learn that he says, no. The mission of mercy, the call of mercy is very difficult for us because sometimes it involves us showing mercy to people who are our enemies and to people who have done us wrong. The definition of mercy is not giving punishment to those who deserve it. We don't like mercy in 2023. We'd rather cancel people as soon as they screw up. But there's a lesson here about submission, about obeying God. What, was Jesus's, what were Jesus' last words to, to his followers before he left? Somebody help me. Somebody help me. He said it is finished on the cross, but then he rose. He was on a mountaintop. Cade with the wind. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go to people who are far from God and bring them near to God. Just like God sent Jonah on a commission, he sends us on a mission of mercy to people who need mercy. You know, people are dying for mercy right now. They're dying for somebody to tell them they can be forgiven, that they can be made new, that they can be made clean. There's a lesson here about obeying God's call to mercy. It's hard for us to show mercy to others, but how comforting is it when someone shows mercy to you? How comforting, how incredible is it when you forget to turn an assignment in or you just don't turn it in, you knew the assignment was due. But three days later, your teacher gives you the opportunity to turn it in full credit. 
mercy. We like that. What happens when you do something and you, you, your parents told you not to do it? You did it. You're ready to get grounded. You're ready to lose the phone. You're ready, you know, for all the things to happen to happen. And they give you a second chance. We love mercy. And there are people are di- that are dying for mercy. And there's a lesson here. We need to submit to God's call. Because just like God sent Jonah on a mission of mercy, he has sent every Christian on a mission of mercy to make disciples of all nations, to share the good news of Jesus. So there's a lesson here on submission. Let's keep on reading. So Jonah had to go to his enemy, just like you Barbersville cheerleaders wouldn't want to hype up uh, the, the Milton Middle School. Just like you Midland, Midlandiers would not want to go hype up Huntington High. Jonah did not want to go on this mission of mercy to Nineveh. So what do we see? God says, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city. Verse three, it says, but Jonah rose to flee. It's really interesting if you look at the Hebrew, like God told, um, God told Jonah, arise and go, and Jonah arose and fled. Like it's a play on words that makes you, makes you understand that Jonah did the exact opposite of what Jesus told, or what God told him to do. So he flees, and where does he flee to? This word is just so awkward to pronounce, I don't know why, but it's to the city of Tarshish. Everybody say Tarshish. 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 It's weird. I don't know. That was the name. But what's interesting about Tarshish is Israel's right here. Nineveh's right here. And Tarshish is way over there. God said, arise and go. Jonah arose and fled. And he fled in the exact opposite direction. Tarshish is close to modern day Spain. So they would have had to sail all the way across the Mediterranean Sea in the 700 BC era. Dangerous trip. He paid the money to go. It says, he, it says he paid the fare. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare, went down into the ship to go with them to Tarshish. And look what he's doing. It says he fled from the presence of the Lord. That's an interesting word. That's an interesting phrase here. I'm going to underline it because what you're going to see is this phrase is repeated three times in this chapter. Jonah's not just running from God's command. He's running from God. What do we call that? What do we call running from God and disobeying him? I hear you whispering it. We call that sin, right? That's sin. So the next, the next kind of lesson that we learn, we learn a lesson on sin. What does Jonah do? He goes the exact opposite direction. And I forgot to read this verse. Let's look at this. It says, when Jonah did that, the Lord hurled a great wind upon a sea. There's a mighty tempest on the sea. So the ship threatened to break up. Jonah gets on this ship. He gets like in the underneath. You know how like they have the underneath of the larger ships. They're halfway there, living on a prayer. And all of a sudden, this crazy, crazy storm happens. So hard that the ship might actually tear apart. We learn some lessons about sin here. The first is that sin affects us, right? When we turn from God, we're running from God's presence. It affects us. Jonah was running in fear. He was running in rebellion, but it didn't just affect Jonah, did it? I got this picture up here of the ripples. It's so satisfying sometimes just to drop like pebbles into like water. You know what I mean? It's just so satisfying. You know what I mean by that? When you drop a pebble in, a wa- in the water, it's 
Especially, what I like doing is throwing a big rock. You know, some of you guys, you're like, mm, I'm gonna throw this big rock in this pond. You know, I don't know. Why is it so satisfying? And it makes the thump sound, you know? But what happens after the thump? The ripples start coming out. Jonah's life was wrecked by sin. Thump. But then the ripple effect, it affected the other guys on the boat, right? The storm, we'll learn later, was brought on by God to get Jonah's attention. But it wasn't just Jonah suffering in the storm. It was the people that were with him. And then it wasn't just the people who were with him that could have suffered. It was the people at Nineveh that desperately needed mercy. And Jonah had the mission, the message of mercy, but he was going in the opposite direction. If Jonah doesn't go to Nineveh, they're all gonna die in their sins, right? So sin doesn't just affect me. And it doesn't just affect you. It affects those around us and it affects those that we're called to reach. You know how it is sometimes. You, maybe you, you've had to deal with the sin of someone else in your family deeply affecting you. Or you've had to deal with like the sin in your friend group was like a poison and it infected everyone around you. You know how that works with others. It works the same with me and the same with you. When we're running from God, it affects more than just us. There's a lesson about sin here. But let's keep reading. This is one of those stories that keeps getting like more intense and more intense and more intense every time. So we've had our two S words, right? There's a lesson about submission. There's a lesson about sin. But what, what starts happening here? It says, the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. The mighty tempest was on the sea. The ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid. Let's just stop here and think about this, okay? Imagine guys in the year 700 B.C., who sailed ships across the Mediterranean Sea. Tough guys or no? They had to be pretty, pretty, pretty nasty dudes, right? I'm sure they had a very interesting vocabulary. Like, I'm sure they'd seen a few storms, weathered a few storms. Like, like, like they weren't those, like, like, these, like these wannabe, like, country boys that, like, like have the perfect, like, like, Levi's never get muddy. They were tough dudes. But what do we see about them? The mariners were afraid. This was like a storm like nothing they had ever seen before. They weren't just scared, they were scared. You know the difference, right? Sometimes you're scared, but there's sometimes you're scared. And they were scared, right? They don't scare easy. What, what do they start doing? They hurled the cargo that was in the ship to try to lighten the load so their ship wouldn't go down. They're throwing out their valuables. Things that were precious and things that were dear to them. They were that desperate and they were that fearful. But they threw all the stuff out of the boat that they, you know, that they could. And they were still on a collision course with death because of this great storm. So what do they start doing next? It says they each cried out to his God. It's kind of interesting, right? Got these mariners, these big tough guys. Something tells me they, they didn't have a real extensive prayer life. Maybe it's an assumption. And they start crying out to not the one true God, right, but to their God. During that time in the, in the, in the Near East, there were all, people believed there was a God of everything. There's a God of rain, there's a God of grass, there's a God of cattle, and there's a God of fertility, and there's a God of this, and a God of that. So everybody kind of had their own little pet gods that weren't really gods, but they thought they were gods, right? So they're all calling out to these God, their gods, and of course, they're fake gods, so they're not going to do anything to help them. They're all calling out to their gods, but look at what Jonah does. Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and was fast asleep. 
why are you sleeping through this, man? Because Jonah knew the one true God, right? Jonah could have done something, right? But he's sleeping. So the captain came to him and said, what do you mean, you sleeper? He's like, wake up, you idiot. Arise and call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. So there's a lesson about submission, about obedience. There's a lesson about sin. There's a lesson about prayer, or the S word is supplication. It's a fancy word of asking God to supply your needs, but it's an S word, and it works here, right? There's a lesson about supplication. You know what's interesting, and I don't know how I'm sure, yeah, this is, I don't know how you don't hear about this with as much as it's in the news, but I was um, chilling on my recliner, our recliner. Uh, uh, on Monday night I was watching some Monday night football and I was watching when DeMar Hamlin took that hit and his heart stopped beating and he fell down and laid there lifeless and the team gathered around him and the emergency medical professionals were giving him CPR and they used a defibrillator to try to shock his heart back into rhythm and it seemed what seemed like forever they finally put him in an ambulance and they took him to the hospital and he's still in critical condition not awake even tonight did anybody see that? Did anybody see the, the, the reels? This is a picture of what was going on. And what was so interesting that was going on were these big, burly, elite football players were crying, they were holding hands, and they were all praying together. You know what that reminded me of? It reminded me of these big, tough, seafaring mariners in the 700th century BC who were scared to death and we're praying as hard as they could. There's something about storms in our life that make us realize how weak we are and how much we need God. You know, what I think is interesting is that you, you can't tell me that every one of those football players has a relationship with Jesus Christ. Just statistically speaking, they don't. But they were all gathering around and praying because there's something inside us that is hardwired to connect with God and the difficulties in our life, they remind us of how much we need him. I want to show you a little clip um, here, in a, here in a second. And this clip was, um, was on ESPN. The guy's name was kind of one of those like you know, names I can't always pronounce. Dan Orlovsky. He was a, he was a fo college football player. He played in the NFL. Now he's an ESPN commentator. And, and when, I was watching the, you know, when I was watching the commentators, they didn't know what to say. I mean, what do you say when this is going on L real time? Um, let me show you what he did live on the air, ESPN. Uh, football gave me everything. You know, and I think even through the midst of absolute tragedy last night, I think you saw some of the beauty of football as well, that it's brought us all here together. Um, you know, like, this is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day, like, thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Sheriff and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him. And I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say that we believe in prayer. And maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want to, it's just on my heart that I want to pray for it is. DeMar Hamlin right, right, right now. Um, I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Um, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that you're God, and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're, we're sad. We're angry. Um, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray. Truly come to you. 
and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, to be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. Um, I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 It's beautiful. Respectfully. We will continue to cover this story. We'll continue to bring you all the updates. Isn't that interesting? That's the first time, I don't know if I'll ever see it again, somebody prayed live on ESPN. There are times in our life that drive us to the feet of God. That was one of those times for a lot of people associated with football. It was one of those times for these mariners that were in the ship with Joseph. And what is so convicting is that these mariners prayed more, these mariners prayed harder to their false gods than Jonah prayed to the one true God. And the same may have been true on Monday night, that there were players who didn't even know the God that they were praying to, but they prayed more earnestly that night than a lot of us have prayed recently to the God that we know and to the God who saved us and to the God who made a way for us to come boldly to the throne of grace. Isn't it sad when what we like to think of ourselves as dedicated Christians end up being outprayed by people who really don't even know who God is? We go through difficult times in life and all of us, you know, I think would say in the, within the past few months and maybe even weeks have had some very trying times. We need to remember this is a lesson that not on just supplication, which, oh, I lost my connection here. Um, not just on supplication. Um, it's a lesson on praying. I'm going to try to reconnect here in a minute. But let's keep on reading. You got your Bibles or do I need to put it on the screen here? Let's wait till we, we can get it on the screen. Don't you love technology? Don't you love it when it works and when it doesn't work? Yeah. So, we'll see what happens here. But I'm just going to kind of read here. And we don't know, you don't need screens, right? You don't need screens. Let's just keep reading. So, here's what it says. And they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. Don't you like that word? Tempestuous? That just sounds like something you'd read in like English class, doesn't it? Sounds like Shakespeare. That just means it was a crazy, really difficult storm. It was a terrible storm. And what does he say? Jonah says this. He says, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Think about this. They've tried everything. Jonah says, throw me into the sea. Would you say that? I don't think I would say that. But they don't want to do that. It says in verse 13, Nevertheless, the men rowed hard. That word literally means to dig your oar down in the water. They rowed hard to get to dry land. I think a lot of people think that they were probably just trying to ditch Jonah. They realized he was the problem. They realized God's judgment was going on. They were just going to like leave him on land and keep on going. And they try and they try and they try and they try, but they can't get to dry land. It says the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Then it says in verse 14, therefore they called out 
to the Lord. O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and not lay on us innocent blood, O Lord. Have done as it is pleased to you. Um, the next lesson that we learn, the next S word, if you're a, a note taker, you're, you're, you're taking notes, is a lesson on sovereignty. You know what sovereignty means? That just means on who's in control. Sovereignty is a fancy way of talking about who's in control. And what we realize is that even though this situation was crazy, this situation was nuts. Maybe you've been in a situation that's been nuts. God was in control. The storm, God used it. The mariners, God used them. What we'll see here in a minute is Jonah gets thrown off the ship. God uses it. The big thing that everybody thinks about when they think about Jonah is the, the, the big fish, the whale, the big fish that swallows Jonah. God uses it. What we remember is that God is involved in our lives even in crazy, crazy circumstances. Even when we turn our backs to God, God still uses those things we do, those wrong things we do to point us to him. So there's a lesson, not just about submission, not just about sin, not just about supplication like prayer. There's a lesson about God's sovereignty. God's in control. God was using this storm to get Jonah's attention. I can't help but ask, is, you think about things that are going on in your life right now. Life is confusing. Life is difficult. Is it possible that God is using these circumstances to get your attention, to pull you back to him? So there's a lesson there about that. You know, Jonah was trying to, remember we said Jonah was trying to run away from God's presence. Here's the thing that you, you end up learning. You can't run away from God. You just can't. The psalmist said, David said in Psalm 139, where can I go from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to hell, you're there. Wherever I go, you're there. Hey, we got a screen again now too. Whoa. Isn't that awesome? We got a screen again. So we learn a lesson about sovereignty. But let's keep on reading. This is where it really gets interesting. Look right here at verse 15. It's working. Okay. So they picked up Jonah and they hurled him into the sea. You could say Jonah's having a bad day. They hurled him into the sea. What happens as soon as they hurl him into the sea? The sea ceased, stopped its raging. The storm stopped. What happened to Jonah? Did he die? You'll hear about that next week. It'll be like one of those like binge-worthy binge shows. You know, we'll leave you on a cliffhanger. But as soon as Jonah gets hurled off the sea, this is what we're focusing on. When he gets, he, he gets hurled off the ship, it stops. It says in verse 16, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. Look at this word. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord, not their fake little gods, the Lord, the one true God, and they made vows. We're talking about God's sovereignty here still. Even God is so in control that he even used this terrible situation to help these, these, these sea dudes, these mariners, to learn about the one true God. Isn't God incredible that he uses these circumstances? But the final lesson we learn, there's the sovereignty one. The final lesson we learn is a lesson about sacrifice. Think about it. We talked about how these mariners and these football players, even though maybe a lot of them didn't know the one true God, they knew that they had to pray to God. These 
mariners, these seafarers, and all of us know that we've screwed it up and that the only way for us to be saved is for somebody to die in our place. They realized it. What did they do? They knew that the only way that they could live was for Jonah to die. They didn't know the one true God. But as some people, old people say, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Maybe you've heard this expression, a broken clock is still right twice a day. Think about it. These guys, even though they didn't know the one true God, they were right twice. When stuff hits the fan and situations get bad in life, you gotta lift your voice up to God and you gotta ask God for help and depend on God. And they also understood that in order for sin to be paid for, in order for God's wrath to be appeased, in order for punishment to be turned away, there has to be a sacrifice. How do we receive Forgiveness. How do we receive mercy for the sins that we've committed? It's because just like Jonah, by being sent to his death, he didn't really die, but we'll find that out later. Jonah being sent to his death paid the price, was the sacrifice so that these men could live. Jesus in living his perfect life and dying on the cross and taking our sins to the grave with him was the sacrifice for our sins. I'm a dork, so I looked up the meaning of the word mercy. It came from a Latin word called merced. And what that word in its most pure form, what it means is price paid. When we're talking about the mercy of God, when we look at the story of Jonah, and how he paid the price so that these, the, the, these, these people on this boat could live, we think about the price that was paid by Jesus for our sins. You want to know if God's a merciful God? Look to the cross. We learned some interesting lessons in the story of Jonah in the first chapter. It all comes back to this. God is merciful. He sent Jesus to pay the price for our sins. He hears us when we call out to him. And he also turns us inside out to be agents of God's mercy, to tell people that God is a merciful God. So I planned on, and I did, um, finish in time for us to have a little moment tonight. Um, so I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. We're going to have a prayer time. Um, it's 2023. It's the first refuel of 2023. So I, I'd like for us to start by doing what the Bills and the Bengals did, by what Dan Orlovsky did live on ESPN, and by, by what these guys who didn't even know God in the boat did and it's spend time talking to God so if you would just keep your head bowed and your eyes closed I want to give you the opportunity to do that here in a moment here in a moment um, the music is going to play I asked you to just play something for us and usually we have you come down and just, just write on a, on a note card how we can pray for you but tonight I just want to keep it between you and God I want to invite you here in a moment to just come and join me here and just spend some time talking to God and dedicating your life to God here for 2023. I want you to consider three things. Maybe see if this is you, if this describes you. 
Are you just like Jonah? You're running from God. You're running from the call that God put on your life. You know God has called you to be an agent of mercy. God has called you to reach someone with the gospel. Some of you, maybe you feel like God might be calling you into ministry. God might be calling you to be a pastor, evangelist, a missionary, but you're struggling with it and you're running from it. Tonight, submit to God, obey God. When you come to the front, give that to God. The next thing is maybe you're like Jonah and the people in the ship and your life just feels like a storm right now. What's so interesting is these guys in the ship, they asked Jonah to pray for them. Maybe if your life, you're just going through something right now, um, you need somebody to pray with you. When you come to the front, what I want you to do, just grab your friend that's with you. Grab somebody that's next to you and bring them with you and just ask, will you pray for me? I'd like to ask with your heads bowed, maybe is there someone tonight, like you just, you with nobody looking, you just put your hand up and say, Matt, I just need someone to pray for me. I won't call you out. I won't embarrass you, but I'll remember to pray for you this week. Is there anybody here tonight, you're just going through something and you just need some prayer? Thank you. Thank you. And finally, maybe some of you tonight have never come to a place in your life where you realize that your sins need to be paid for. Maybe tonight you need to put your faith and your trust in Jesus and the fact that he was the sacrifice for your sin. So the music's gonna start playing. And whether you are going through something and you need to just bring somebody with you to pray with you, grab your friend, come together. Whether you just need to spend some time talking to God, dedicating your life to him in 2023, or maybe you're wrestling with a call to missions, a call to ministry, a call to be a pastor. Just come on right now. Come on right now. Come spend some time talking to God in prayer. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.